Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. We were teaching about the sovereignty of God and and one little boy in the class, the providence of God, he was grasping that content and he came home and on the phone phone answering machine there was a, a message that grandma was going to buy him a Bible, or a book, a, a, excuse me, a, a bike because she realized that he had outgrown his bike. Oh, this was a grandma that didn't usually do things like that. And his mother knew what he had been learning. Mm-hmm. And so she said, why do you think this happened? And he said, oh. It was the providence of God. He knew I needed a bicycle. <laughs> and you know what just happened? Gratitude transferred from grandma to God. Yeah, yeah. Where it belongs. Yeah. yeah. He made that connection. He made that connection to real life. It was the providence of God. God had grandma do this. Now, now he's worshiping God. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast, produced by Faith in Kids. My name is Ed. I'm the director here of Faith in Kids. And as usual, what we're trying to do on this podcast is walk with Christian parents through that normal story of raising children to know Christ in the chaos, the joy, the laughter and the tears of everyday life. We're trying to be realistic. We're trying to be practical. And we're trying to be holy. We're trying to show you what it is to live a Christian life as a normal family, knowing that none of us feel entirely normal. (laughs) Uh, As usual, I'm joined by Amy. Amy, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Ed. I'm great. I'm looking forward to learning from a genius about how to teach the Bible to children. Well, Amy, it's a great pleasure to be with you today. Thank you very much. We are indeed joined by a friend in the United States. Could you say hello to us, Sally? And why don't you just introduce yourself a little of your story, maybe your faith story and how you keep yourself busy? Yes, my name is Sally Michael, and I'm going to disappoint you all. I am not a genius. Oh, she is. (laughs) I am just a mom and a teacher who loves God and loves his word and loves children and wants other children to do that too. I became a Christian at 13. 
out of a home where no one was a Christian at first, no Bible in our home, so I had no knowledge of the Bible. And then my mom was saved, and pretty soon it just was like a domino effect. The whole family became saved, and a year and a half later, they were in South America with the military, and then they returned back to South America and were missionaries for 25 years. So it was a kind of a big turnaround in our lives. Wow, yeah, that is a big change. So, and then I went to college, met my husband, and uh, he was uh, headed for the pastorate in urban ministry, and and then we turned to, and we, uh, excuse me, we became, we were asked by John Piper to do children's ministry, much to our surprise. So, Hmm. we've always had a passion for both the next generation and the urban ministry, so we've done both. Sally, how many years of ministry is that? Oh, you're, you're, now you're going to want my age, right? <laughs> no, no, you don't have to give it away. <laughs> you bad. don't have to give it away. It's, uh, well, I don't, when do you start? Do you start from when you were actually hired or when you were doing ministry? I'm do, 68. Go for, go for doing ministry. Okay, I'm 68, and I probably have been doing ministry since I was 15 or 16. Praise the Lord. In some capacity. Sally, it's... um. It's not so often you meet someone with that story. So that story of coming to faith and then going to a large church with fantastic teaching and with the opportunities you had and an experience of doing mission abroad. And yet it is children. You and your husband have have spent your working lives doing ministry too. Could you help us to understand how that part happens? To the best of your understanding, how is it that the Lord has left you, kept you? held you in children's ministry? Well, I can tell you two things. One is when we were in college, we did a Bible club in Brooklyn, New York. These were totally unchurched children. And I picked up the material I was supposed to teach. And I said, I can't teach this (laughs) because it's not teaching the Bible. And that just ignited in me a passion to make sure that children got a reliable teaching of the word of God so that if they did reject faith, they knew what they were rejecting. Mm. Um, But they have to hear first. So that's, I think, what ignited it. And I think what continues it and that what we turn to all the time is Psalm 78. And if I can just read some verses from there. Yes. Give ear, all my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old things we have heard and known that our fathers have told us we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, He commanded, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that passage, I think, is what has held us. Wow. Because when it says we will not hide them from our children, I think sometimes we do hide them by not talking about them, Mm. by using the Bible to tell little moralistic stories, Mm. but not really the message of the Bible, Mm. by making the the center of the Bible the men and people in the Bible rather than the God of the Bible. And so... When I read that passage, it's just it it grips me that even Christian parents uh, unwittingly sometimes we do hide the truth from our children, yeah. and yet we've been told to pass it on. And I think the vision of it's not just our children, 
but their children and their children and their children after them. Wow. I mean, our influence can go for generations if we are faithful oh, and trust God. So that's what keeps us. Oh, man. Sally, I can hear the, the emotion and the passion in your voice. And like, it's, it's resonating with me. You know, I'm, I'm choked. But what you've said there, I can your passion to pass on the truth of the whole Bible to children and that generational influence, that is obviously part of what has driven you to write this book, More Than a Story. What is your prayer for that for this book? What's the story behind why you've written it other than what you've already said? Well, you know, I wanted to write this book for probably 20 years. Wow. And the opportunity was never there. There never was artists you know money to do it you know it just it just never came together and it just kept I just said I have to do this before I die (laughs) and and yet I know God's timing is so perfect because if I had written it 15 years ago it would have been a very different book wow but I had things I had to learn to be able to write it the way I did wow and so I honestly what I wanted to do was write a book that was comprehensive Mm -hmm. true to the word taught biblical theology, systematic theology, the storyline of the Bible, an Old Testament, New Testament overview. Mm -hmm. It was a big task, and I would not have been able to do it 15 years ago. And I could only do it now because of God's grace and the prayers of many people. Mm -hmm. But my hope is that this book will impassion parents to take the spiritual nurture of their children seriously, Mm -hmm. and that it will be a tool for them, Mm -hmm. a, a foundation for them to understand how to do that. And then I think the bigger prayer is that the book will ignite in children a desire to seek God and that this book, more than a story, will lead them to the book, the inspired, trustworthy, precious word of God. So that's my hope and prayer. And you've not shied away from tackling any of the tough stuff in this book and like, good on you. Um, That's obviously a deliberate decision. It is. It is, because I think children need to hear the whole counsel of God. Uh, you have to hear the bad news if, you, if you're going to be able to rejoice in the good news. Yeah. Uh, you, have, you have to see the scope of biblical history, I think. You need to see that man over and over cannot live up to God's commands. I mean, even King David, who is so admirable in so many ways, you, you do see, I and mean, the Bible records his horrific sin. You know, with Bathsheba, and then he kills Uriah, and 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 that's reality that man, man is broken. Yeah. And and yet I think you say them in appropriate ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I D- David took another man's wife and treated her like she was his own wife. You don't have to go into all the gory details. Um. Same with you know just the the pagan nations and some of the, it just how God had to wipe them out. There's a way to say that that could be very troubling to children. There's a way to say it that helps them put it into a context so they understand the holiness of God, God's protection of his people, and God's eternal plans. So I think you need to be careful, and yet you can't shy away from making children struggle because that struggle is part of what makes faith their own. I just think we, we, need, we need to give them answers to the hard questions because they're going to get the hard questions. And so we give them answers. And, Chris, you know, children are pretty matter-of-fact. You know, you say something, they 
they're just taken at face value. They don't have the emotional baggage that I think adults have. They don't have the life experience to truly understand the, the ramifications of some of these things. And so if you grow up with these understandings, I think it, it becomes part of your DNA, so to speak. I remember reading through the Old Testament with my oldest daughter, and, you know, it was very tender at that time, and she would kind of came to the Lord through understanding his love. And so I asked her, I said, does it bother you that, you know, the Israelites came in and conquered these nations and, and people were killed? And she said, well, no. And I said, why? And she said, because God needed to protect his people and he needed to keep their, their faith safe. So, you know, I think that puts it in context for them. Sally, um, it might be that some of our listeners are unaware of your enormous body of work. I've been a children's worker for a while, so I've used some of the resources you have written. Previously, you founded and led an organization called Children's Desiring God, and people may have heard of John Piper's linked ministry at Desiring God. That organization that you still lead is called Truth78, and I certainly can't count the number of resources you have written, but it must be 20, 30, 40, translated into multiple languages. And the books you've written, I, I'm nervous of overstating it, but but you seem to be talking about this book as if it's something of a life's work that you think it is. Is that, I mean, I, and I didn't expect that, but so far from what you've been saying, it feels that way. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. We, I've written, I, I can't even count them either. It's like 22, 23 curriculum. I can't remember. But I mean, as David says, it, it, it spans like, 10 feet of bookshelf space. And what I've tried to do in this book is take all of that teaching, plus the curriculum that Jill Nelson has written for 278. I've tried to take that and think of the whole counsel of God and put it together and teach, you know, as I said, systematic theology, biblical theology, Old New Testament survey, and try to condense that into, I think what you rightly say is my life work. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to give a fair and balanced treatment of the Old Testament and New Testament. I tried to put in everything that was of supreme importance and leave out nothing that would diminish the message of the Bible. I mean, obviously there was lots I couldn't include, but I really tried to hone in on what is of supreme importance. What are the major truths that God is communicating through his word and that children need to know? through Not just the stories of the Bible, because, for example, the Old Testament has a chapter in the Psalms, a chapter in Proverbs. It has some of the prophetic books. The New Testament does not stop with the book of Acts. It starts, it, it, it continues into the epistles and the book of Revelation. And the reason this is called more than a story is because God's book is more than a story. It's, it's not just the narrative portions. It is the authoritative, mm. true, trustworthy word of God that has yeah. stories, commands, promises, prophecies. I mean, it's it's the beautiful array of what God has in His Word. Sally, I I love uh, I'm loving hearing you talk about God's Word in this way, and I think what is so brilliant is you're saying you've put all of this together, and yet you want to put this in the hands of moms and dads. You want to put this in the home. You're not saying this is the thing to give to the 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 experienced kids leader at church. This is that you know this is not the curriculum for someone else to do. You're saying I want to put this in the hands of families. I want this in the home. 
So as as a mum who who hears the excitement in that, like, wow, she wants to help me. And she's she's full of all this passion and richness and experience. And she wants to help me. She wants to put something in my hand. Great. Equally. Ah, what if I get this wrong? Like this feels now massive. How do I start? How do I not mess this up? You, you know what? One, one you, tr- you pray and you trust God. And that's the bottom yeah. line. And that's all I did. I remember sitting on the couch in my home when my kids were little saying, God, how do I teach them your word? I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And God is faithful. Mm. I've taken what I've learned in, I don't know, 40, 50 years of experience, and I put it in a book form. Mm. So it's just a book. It's a book. I mean, it's easy. You open it up. You read it. <laughs> You know, I mean, again, I try to make it as, as accessible as possible. I do have a two-page introduction to the parents that says, uh-huh. how do you read this book with your child? Yep. Give them some tips. But basically, the work is done. You sit, you read, and then you ask questions. You put your heart into it. You read the script. This has 1,200 scripture passages in it, I think it is, something like that. I always lose track of numbers. Um Maybe it's 1,400. I don't know. It's a lot. I've woven scripture into it because, you know, my words are my words, but God's word is living and active. Mm -hmm. So I want them to read it. But basically, Mm -hmm. it's so accessible. You read. There are questions you can ask. Beautiful illustrations. And at the end, there's an application box that you can go through and take, take your time. If it takes you a week, it takes you a week to go through it. I mean, we're not trying to push this book through the children. We're trying to get the children into the book. Sally, when you say a week, you mean a week a page, not a week the book. No, no. <laughs> I'm saying you can read the story in no time at all. I mean, yeah. but if you want to stop and discuss it and you want to do the application box, it doesn't matter how long. If you can do it in a day, you do it in a day. If you want to do it in two days, you do it in two days. You want to take a week to do it. I mean, Great. however, how interested your child is, how much you want to do with it. You could simply sit down and read for five, ten minutes. So you've heard it here first. Pray open the book read be you that's it right exactly and amy i'm i'm going to keep on playing nervous parent here okay so sally there there are various reasons why parents are slow to to do the simple steps you're saying one is a nervousness that that as soon as you mention systematic theology and biblical theology there is a pile of parents who are thinking there's there's no way I'm going to risk my children asking me about those things. <laughs> so now that's why you've written the book to give us some answers to that. Have you got a word for the parent who who maybe has only just become a Christian? How do we dare to open your book? You know what? It's so accessible. If you can read, you can do it. And when I say systematic theology, I'm just saying I put true statements in here. They're in bold. They just tell you who got like for example, I just opened up the page. Okay. God will do what he says he will do. That's as simple as it is. Now, you've just taught your child a huge truth about God. He keeps his word. He's trustworthy. He's, on, he's truth. He's honesty. I mean, God will do what he, he, had, he has supreme power, that he can actually accomplish what he says. Amen. I mean, in those little words, you just taught huge truths. And guess what? They're repeated over and over again. By the end of the book, the child understands God will do what he says he's going to do. God keeps his word. Or God is strong. Nothing is too hard for God. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. So, yeah, systematic theology is a big word, but biblical truths are very simple. 
They're simple enough for children to understand. And that's the way I've written them. I've written for children. And yet parents say, you know, I'm learning a lot by reading this. Oh, it's always, always the way. Yeah, it's it's very accessible. If you can read, you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. And, and it's Great. written to appeal to children in childlike language and yet not dumbing down truth. And uh, the parent listening who finds exactly as you say that they are learning for the first time what systematic theology is with their child that is no bad thing sally that you know that is that is the joy a joy of being a parent is it's i think it's a well-known truth of teaching that to become a teacher is always to learn the most and one privilege of being a parent is to perhaps become a teacher of the bible for the first time and that is the absolute privilege and the story of all teaching is it's okay to say, I don't understand, I don't know, but I'm going to give the pastor a ring. And let me tell our listeners, that is the phone call our pastors are waiting for, to be able to train a parent in how to open the Bible with their children and to answer their questions. That's why pastors go to college, to answer your brilliant questions that you can't answer for your children. And, you know, the joy of the Bible is it's complex enough for a scholar and simple enough for a child. Amy, you've always got an eye for illustrations and you're delighted they've found their way into this book. There's beautiful pictures, Sally, and I presume they're not by accident that they've been chosen the way they are. You are absolutely right. Actually, it's one of your countrymen who drew the pictures, Fred Apps. Oh, he's a, nice he's, one. He's an Englishman. <laughs> and his, his heart and soul went into these pictures. Mm-hmm. And the ones that we were able to commission, some of them come, came from other books that he did, but mo- most of them we were able to commission we could tell them exactly how we wanted them. And what we wanted was realistic so that the Bible doesn't look like a fairy tale, mm-hmm. but real stories, real people, real events, and biblically accurate. But also, I really wanted these pictures to convey spiritual truth. Mm. So, for example, I'm going to give you my favorite example, probably. When the Israelites go in, they cross the Jordan River to take Jericho. You often see that picture where Joshua's leading the charge and they're going through the Jordan River. Well, you know what? The priests in the Ark of the Covenant went first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when the priests stepped into the water, the water parted. And it was, and to me, to get that visual picture, it says, God goes before God goes his first. people. God goes before his people. They don't go alone. He's there first. Yeah. And then the, the march around Jericho. I I said, I want the priests with the Ark of the Covenant, the trumpets, I want that to be shown, and then the people after it. Over and over throughout this book, what we tried to do is put pictures in there that didn't just show the story, but conveyed spiritual truth about God. And and Fred was able to do that. A man is an amazing artist. They're beautiful pictures. Sally, you're so passionate. I can hear it just every sentence. How have you kept that passion going for that long um, in, in children's ministry, in your love for the word? Grace. Yeah. Grace. I mean, when the Lord touches your heart and you act in obedience, I mean, there are times I get where there's, I'm re- revising a curriculum right now and it feels like drudgery. <laughs> it's work. It's hard work. Okay. It's hard work to come up with a sentence and say exactly what you wanted to say. And, and yet you can't shy away from that because the the spiritual realities are so enormous the outcome can be so 
glorious if these children actually grasp onto this truth through the grace of God. And we don't want to shy away from that. It's, it's a tremendous opportunity, actually. Mm. It's a, it's a mm. blessing to be able to impart the word of God. And yes, it's hard work, but think of the ramifications. Think of, I had one little boy. This is what keeps you going. Yeah. One little boy who, more than a story, is an Old Testament and the New Testament. We couldn't put it into one book. One would be too thick. Second, poor Fred needed time to get his pictures done. <laughs> but one little boy, 11 years old, was reading more than a story, Old Testament. And his dad said to him, what are you learning from this book? And this little boy said, I'm learning that sin is great. Wow. But grace is greater. Wow. You know what? You hear a story like that, you say, I can write 10 more books. Yeah. <laughs> 10 more books, if that's the result. Wow. Sally, w- w- I'm in danger of just becoming into into fan fangirl mode here. Ed, can you imagine, the th- will we ever be at a point where we measure the resources we have written by length of a shelf rather than number of number of things? <laughs> I don't think we'll ever be there. I, I, <laughs> Sally, I'm, a, I'm an amateur compared to you at writing books and resources but having written three books of family bible times i can tell you i want to tell our listeners the slog of each page and the rewrites that break your soul when the editor says honestly ed i don't know what you were thinking on this page it makes no sense so i want to thank you sally for keeping going with the slog all writers listening will know that slog sally with children you have first of all helped us to understand, and, and I, I know for some people it will be new to, to hear it explained so simply, but children need the concrete, they need the real, they need what they can hug and what they can draw and what they can smell and what they can touch. And that is the opposite of the abstract, which is usually where adults go, what needs to be explained, usually the jargon Christians use, the, the shun words, the, the salvation, the redemption, the creation. These are, these are abstract words that don't come with a story. By tackling the New Testament, you've gone to those parts of the Bible that are mostly conceptual, the epistles that Paul wrote, that Peter wrote. Do you just have some tips for us, Sally, in that I think you would agree we need to handle those with a bit more care and maybe a bit more skill. How do we open those bits of the Bible with children? You know, I think we don't give children enough credit. They can understand more than we think they can, but we have to explain it and we have to pray. I mean, the Lord can give understanding to a child beyond their years, but we have to be faithful in explaining. And I think sometimes giving a concrete illustration from real life, you know, for example, I was the lesson I was just revising this morning, um, the Bible is our guide. What, how do, okay, what does that mean to a child? Well, I started out with showing them a picture of a blind person with a guide dog and explaining how does this person know how they're not going to bump into things, how to cross streets, things like that. This They have to trust this dog. The dog is going to stop when they need to stop. This dog is going to turn the corner when they need to turn the corner. They have to put their trust in something else. And that's the same thing as with with us in the Bible. There are things that we don't know. There are obstacles in life. I wouldn't say obstacles for children. I'd say problems. Um, And the Bible shows us when to stop, when to turn right, when to go. You know, so you use concrete examples, I think, in real life that, that link to biblical truth. I think that's one way of doing it. 
I think explaining, defining words, you know, we just kind of think we, we use words so much that kids hear them and hear them, we think they understand what they mm. mean. Yeah. They don't necessarily know what they mean. We have to we have to define them, break it down. I think same thing with Bible verses. What does this mm. verse mean? What what does this word mean? Why do you think that they use this word? I I like to teach by asking a lot of questions because I don't want to just inform their heads. Mm. I want them to be involved in the learning i want i want there to be interaction i want their hearts to be grabbed i want them to have active minds that can put things together and i mean all of a sudden the lights come on and that's really fun when you see the lights come on yeah um and then i do think there is there is a point where you teach truth and children grow into it Mm. i'll give you a very simple example my younger daughter was three in sunday school she's learning god made the trees made the birds made the flowers god made everything well, we had her memorize a verse, every good and perfect thing comes from above. Okay, at three years old, was a little over her head. <laughs> but I pulled out of the driveway one day, and my older daughter, who was six, looked at the, no, my younger daughter, who was three, learning this in Sunday school, looked at the house across the street. She said, God made the house. And my older daughter said, no, a man made that house. And I, they, they squabbled a little bit, and I said, you know what, you're both right. A man took a hammer and a saw, and some wood, he cut the boards, he pounded nails into a board, he put them together, and he made a house. But who gave the man the hand to hold the hammer? And who gave the man the tree, right, the wood? And who gave the man the mind to think of how to make a house? And immediately, Christy said, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Now, that was beyond a three-year-old's understanding, except that the word had been there. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit used it to bring mm-hmm. understanding. And then instantaneously, together, they both started saying, God is so good, God is so good, he's so good to me. So I do think there are times that we give children truths to grow into, and I would say most of those truths are Bible verses they memorize. Mm-hmm. And little by little, the Holy Spirit uses it to work on their hearts and understanding and gives them experiences in life that help them understand those things wow we always buy our kids stuff with growing room don't we i think that's a great principle for thinking about how to teach them god's truth too how are we giving them growing room i love that sally you've given yourself to writing resources obviously over many years and teaching children in church and training up leaders is there is there something that you find yourself saying again and again what's what's the 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 thing that you keep repeating I keep repeating, use the Bible. (laughs) Because, you know, people just have a reluctance to open up the Bible and look at it, look at a verse, ask questions about it, explain things, ask children to interact with it. Just use the Bible. Don't just use your own words. I'm not saying that you don't explain things. I'm not saying you don't give examples or illustrations. But use the Bible with children because God's word is living and active. It's going to... It's going to wriggle its way into their hearts. Mm. It's going to be that dividing sword, so to speak. And so that's one thing I say. The other thing I say is that we're not just teaching their heads. We're reaching their hearts. You have to go to application. So what what is this saying to me? I mean, what is God asking? What am I supposed to think? Or what should I think? What should I do? What should I be? I mean, there should be some personal interaction with that word so that when a child walks out, they know this is this is this is what God wants of me. This is how I can respond to this. And are you modeling that yourself? So as the person who's trying to help them, you're saying, what does this mean to me? 
And then are you trying to help them to say, what does that then look like for you? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. I remember one time in my classroom when we were doing David's Prayer of Confession, I said, has anybody ever had a situation where they did something wrong and they didn't confess it and it just kind of niggled away at your heart? Hmm. And this one little boy, sixth grade, this is it takes a lot of courage. He raised his hand. He said, "I, mm. I had it was in a fishing contest, and I said I caught three fish, but I only caught two." I said, "What happened?" He said, "I got a trophy." I said, "What do you think about that?" He said, "Every time I look at that trophy, I feel guilty." And I said, "There's the Bible has an answer for that." That's it. And we just started to explain what confession mm. was, and and I mean. You could just see this burden lift from his child as he understood what he had to do. Mm. So then I talked to his parents and let them know so that he could actually go home with them, confess that sin. I mean, I just told him to talk to him about the lesson. Um, Go home, tell him what happened in class, and lead him through a prayer of confession and repentance. So, yeah, I think it is. It's modeling. There are times that I have to say, I said to my children, Mommy was wrong when she yelled at you. You know, and you just model the truth. Or we were teaching about the sovereignty of God, and and one little boy in the class, the providence of God, he was grasping that content, and he came home, and on the phone phone answering machine, there was a a message that Grandma was going to buy him a Bible or a book, excuse me, a a bike because she realized that he had outgrown his bike. Oh, this was a Grandma that didn't usually do things like that, and his mother knew what he had been learning. Mm-hmm. And so she said, why do you think this happened? And he said, oh, it was the providence of God. He knew I needed a bicycle. <laughs> and you know what just happened? Gratitude transferred from grandma to God, yeah, yeah. where it belongs. Yeah. yeah. He made that connection. He made that connection to real life. It was the providence of God. God had grandma do this. Now, now he's worshiping God. And it's that whole thing of seeing that, seeing what is the vertical in what is happening in the horizontal. I'm waving my hands as if everybody can see one. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, that's where we want to be, isn't it? That we want that in our own lives. We want that in our kids' lives. We want that in our conversations. We want to bring God into into what we're learning and His Word to bring to bear on on what we're thinking and what we're feeling and what we're doing yeah i just and i've actually tried to do that in the book yeah to model it for parents so they would know how to do it sally i feel like my next question is suddenly feeling pointless okay Uh, and i and i kind of feel like i know what the answer is going to be but I'm going to ask it anyway to allow you to give the answer I suspect you're going to give. And if I don't, you can give the answer I should have given, right? Let's just check we're sane. (laughs) Well, it does feel like that. But okay, my my next question was going to be, uh, you have seen a lot of resources go past your desk. Are there particular books or resources that you find yourself recommending to parents often? Yeah, I do. Well, I I recommend Chad Bettis' book, The Disciple-Making Parent. Uh, William Farley's book, Gospel Power Parenting. I think those are good if parents want to understand what their task is as a parent. It's it's not to raise, you know, a scholar. It's to raise a Christian. So I'm not sure if that's the question you're asking, but... It, it is the question I'm asking. Okay. I'll be honest. I thought you were going to say, we only need the Bible. Every other book is pointless. <laughs> so I'm actually, <laughs> that's true. 
that's true. But there are other books that help. Uh, thank you for not thank you for not telling me off. Those two books will be in the show notes. Great. So if you didn't manage to scribble them down in time, we're going to make sure we just put them in the show notes so you can see them. Sally, we we could go on, but it's always good to stop when we when we're desperate for more. Sally, having used your resources, the one that stands out to me is The Promises of God. I remember clearly teaching through that for a year in the Sunday school I oversaw. And throughout that is memorizing a verse a week. I remember the conversation one family had with me months afterwards saying, Ed, it was the the pieces of card you sent home each week that for the first time in our family's story, we found ourselves learning verses together and one a week felt manageable. <laughs> so Sally, thank you very much for, for giving of yourself, of your time, of your energy to resource the world. <laughs> uh, and you, you continually point people to the Bible and, and you have been plain today mm. that anything else is a huge mistake. Thank you for doing that for us today and thank you for doing that f- throughout your work. Sally, would you pray for the parents who are listening Mm. that they would be able to do some of what you're asking us to do? Yeah. Dear God, you do not ask us to produce certain results. You ask us to be faithful. And Lord, your word is the best parenting book. It has all that we need for life and godliness. And so, Lord, I pray that you would ignite in the hearts of these parents a passion to disciple their children, and Lord, to understand that it just means sharing their faith. It just means sharing what they're learning from the Word. It means sitting down with their child, putting their arm around their child, and just reading a Bible verse, memorizing it, talking about it, putting it into action in real life. Lord, it's not, not hard to do. It's hard to be motivated to do it. So, Lord, I pray that fear would not be an obstacle, that they would um, just trust you and look to you and know that you will enable, that what you have called us to do, you enable us to do. And, Lord, just jump in the pool in the deep end and realize that no parent does anything perfectly. And you take our little loaves and fishes of effort and you multiply them to feed 5,000. Because you are God and it doesn't depend on us. It's because you are Mm -hmm. faithful. And all you ask is for us to make faithful efforts in our fumbling ways. How many mistakes did we make? But, Lord, you know what? You don't count the mistakes. You sit there with grace and your word is there to encourage us to keep on keeping on. And, Lord, I, I just pray that every parent who listens to this will say, God will help me with this. I can do this with his help. It's his work. I'm just going to cooperate with him. So, Lord, I just pray, empower your people today. And, Lord, open the eyes of the next generation. Lord, help us not to hide from them your wonder, your glorious mm-hmm. deeds and the wonders that you have done. Because you've established a testimony that we need to pass on to our children. So they can pass it on to their children. So they can pass it on to their children. So that the next generation will hope in you. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. We are weak, but you are strong. We thank you for being a glorious and great God who is our helper. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Father, we we pray that we would have the same passion for the next generation that Sally has. We thank you, Father, that Sally weeps over the next generation 
over our children. And surely, Father, your passion for our children is far, far greater than Sally's. Mm -hmm. Your spirit, Father, is at work in the lives of our children. And if it moves Sally to tears, surely, surely, Father, your, your heart beats for our children to know you, live lives for you. I thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to talk this through, mm. of being able to somehow just walk with parents for that moment to encourage them that they are placed there by you to do this work in their children's lives in the power of the spirit and there is no greater power the same power that raised jesus from the dead mm. is at work when the bible is mm. opened in our homes mm. father do these miracles and allow our children to live by faith mm. amen 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 isn't god's family amazing it's so cool to have a big uh, a big sister uh, in in Sally, just imagine if we could hear Sally praying for us before we opened the Bible with our own kids. How much and and so much more that God is for us as we try. You know, I want to say something to both of you. One is uh, Ed. You said you're a novice writer. We all started as novices, <laughs> and and you just put it in God's hands and you let Him do what He's going to do. And the other thing is, no parent does it perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know, your prayers are as powerful mm -hmm. as mine because you have the same mm -hmm. God. So, you know, I, I'm a pretty ordinary person. I really am. I I just have a heart, that's all. But you're, and I have a big God. Cheering us on, and we need that. That's great. Uh, Sally, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's been an honour to be here. Amy, have you got a final word for us? Uh, yes. So Faith in Kids, it exists because we long to see confident parents talking to their kids about their faith and thriving churches, working together with parents to raise children to trust in Jesus. We're able to do that because of the generosity of our supporters. Please, would you consider joining them and supporting us by giving just a few pounds a month to support our efforts to resource churches and encourage parents to raise kids to trust Jesus. Listeners, keep going with the Lord as Amy, Sally and I pray we do too. The Lord has us. Mm. Sally, thank you very much for your time. Would you say goodbye? Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to touch my brothers and sisters across the ocean. <laughs> goodbye, Sally. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.